Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty's Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. These interviews with social impact pioneers provide you with insights, different perspectives, advice, and maybe a little inspiration, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision-making and action-taking. I don't know about you, but the challenges facing us today seem giant. Whether escalating conflicts, the widening chasm between rich and poor, and what feels like almost certain runaway climate change. This conversation, however, is a tonic to that for you. If you're feeling in need of some good practical know-how or advice, listen no further. You've tuned into the right place. I've had two worried conversations this week, one with my young eight-year-old daughter fretting that the impacts of climate change will make her life unimaginable and that there was nothing that she could do about it. Whilst the second was with an old friend lamenting that our consumer-based society will never be able to pivot to providing the conditions we need to live successfully within our planetary boundaries. However, then I meet Niels de Fragrier. Niels is a young leader and change maker with wisdom far exceeding his years. So buckle up everybody, be ready to answer giant questions in practical ways. For example, How can we turn a business from being a consumer and taker from our planet to one that supports and regenerates, contributing and prospering now and also fit for the future? Niels has some answers. So Niels, great to have you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for having me and hello to everyone listening to us today. I'm going to jump straight in there. Can you tell us a bit about your journey? that got you to the place where regenerative enterprises became a clear defining thought for you? Yeah, I'm I'm currently 27 years old. So it's been like approximately like, let's say, 15 years since my journey started. I realized afterwards that my journey started when I was still a teenager, around 12 years old, um, you know, facing some adverse situation family-wise, taking care of two younger brothers and and kind of growing up with them and and being responsible for them in in many different ways. And that actually got me to care about people, being in service to people. That is definitely my North Star. And and that is a North Star that has followed my journey. Um, Started working very early with refugees and vulnerable groups, whether it was young people or women. Uh, across different continents, working across different sectors, uh, first of all on policymaking, collaboration with organizations such as uh, UN bodies, uh, European Commission, uh, the Council of Europe or others, uh, working on sports, social inclusion, sustainable development, um, working with uh, NGOs, uh, whether it was on on funding, project management, um, community impact, uh, gender equality, human rights and all the rest of it. And more recently, in the past uh, five plus years, working with businesses, understanding that businesses were actually fueling the system, fueling the economy that is the, the heart and the lungs of, of, our, of our world today and, and looking at, you know, how can we empower this 
stakeholders to do better and and to be part of positive change and that's that's what got me into this journey of of regeneration understanding that um sustainability wasn't enough anymore and in a world that is so depleted um and and so broken in many different ways i'm i'm sure we'll have the the chance to speak about it but we we cannot just you know put a plaster on the problem we actually need to to go back to the root causes of what took us here and also to imagine what tomorrow should look like and could look like and making sure that everyone can be part of the process so not being only a white middle aged privileged conversation um, but actually being open to anyone and everyone to suggest to share um testimonies to share experiences but also to share parts of the solutions as i like to say i i believe that we all are a piece of the puzzle and in that sense you know the the, the main question is how do we get into the same room how do we make sure that we combine our skills our ideas and our visions to make tomorrow uh, a thriving future i feel as though i have done nothing with my life i'm literally twice as old as you niels and i've done hardly anything so i uh, bow to you to your experiences it's incredible I guess my question really is, therefore, having been in those different sectors, seeing those different life experiences too, and and so young, what brought you to this sort of stage and point where you thought actually we need to we need a new paradigm? And and can you tell me a bit about you know you talked about and coined a phrase around regenerative enterprise? What does that mean to you too? Yeah, so the, the main idea. Be, be behind the concept of of being regenerative and and to put it very simply is how do we put back more than we take and when i say how do we put back more than we take it is about nature so how do we uh, replenish places how do we actually help ecosystem thrive again but it's also about people in the sense that you know if you look today at society in, in general and the economy and companies everyone will have heard of human resources but who has ever told you that you were a resource why aren't you a potential why aren't you seen as a human potential and in that sense is like how can we bring back people to who they are to what they believe in to their values to their dreams and and in that sense you know being regenerative is how do we put back the world in in track for for thriving if we look at our economy and and if we zoom out into kind of mm-hmm. capitalism and all the economic system that actually brought us to the many converging crises we face it's relying on on two main things the exploitation of people so we increase inequalities and we actually use people to create value and when i say using them is like whether it's cheap labor whether it's it's companies actually not necessarily respecting their employees not giving them the space for them to to bring their whole self to work but also to you know to just just bring their potential once again so exploiting people the second one is extracting resources the main paradigm of today's economy is as if we had many planets we only have one and we're using more than 1.75 planets a year in terms of resources so our economy functions in a way as if the resources were unlimited the reality is that today we breached and we have breached so many limits and safe limits for the balance of of our planet and and therefore life on earth and when i say life it's it's ourselves uh, included we cannot continue this way so the key question is how do we go back to actually consuming the resources we need 
to survive and to thrive, but not more than that. And today, the, the, the paradigm of, of consumption, of overconsumption, of inequality and all the rest of it is, is just fueling the, 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 the fate of, of human beings and, and, and the way we can, we can evolve in, in this future. So that's the real question is like, how do we move from exploitation and extraction to a system that thrives again, a system that replenish and that actually fix all the problems and all the damage that we've done on people and the planet in general? And therefore, the, the, the way we're looking at it, including with, with this book that we just published, The Regenerative Enterprise, is actually looking at how do we move from a sustainable to a regenerative mindset? And when I say regenerative, uh, what we look at when a company is regenerative is basically relying on, on 10 main points. I will share them very quickly, and I'm, I'm happy to, to zoom in later on. But first of all, a company should have an evolutionary purpose. And in that sense, it's like, or can a company exist for the sole mission of solving a social and or environmental issue, but also living in its time? So it means like evolving within time. Uh, we live at different eras. We know that the world is so uncertain, it's changing every day. So how do you make sure that your company exists for solving challenges? The second one is, you know, really looking at having a living systems worldview. So we are all interconnected. We are part of nature. A company is nothing more than a living system composed of individuals and resources that are coming from nature. So in that sense, it's like, how do you make sure as a company that you understand that you're part of a wider web of life and that you're just a little part of it and that actually your influence will influence all the rest of the ecosystem? Third one is about really looking at, you know, how do you foster well-being, participation and resilience? So how do you make sure that well-being is at the core of your business, that you make and enable people to participate, and that resilience is at the core in a sense that you are able to uh, respond to the challenges we face. Then there is the fourth point about respecting locality. And in that sense, you know, if your business is not rooted and grounded into place, it cannot be sustainable nor regenerative and equitable. And in that sense, this is really important for business to actually grow to a certain size that is not, you know, going beyond the, the size of a community or a local ecosystem to make sure that it's attached to it. Fifth one is about, you know, looking at the different forms of capital. There is not just economic capital. There are so many different forms and, and ways of seeing capital, whether it's human capital or spiritual capital. A company is, is part of, of many different capitals that it can create, but that it can also source from. And then the last five points, you know, it's like, how do you think, design and operate systematically? And in that sense, it's like, how do you see the world with a big picture lens? Understanding that you're not just, as I was saying at the beginning of this conversation, putting a plaster on the problem, but actually tackling the root causes. Being really collaborative, uh, we see today that competition, while it brought some progress uh, until today, is actually undermining the, the struggle and the fight against climate change and inequality. So we need to work together. And that's part of you know, what a regenerative company should be about. And then you know, we look at intergenerational equity. And in that sense, it's like, oh, do you make sure that the decisions you make today for your business and for society as a whole will actually have a positive impact for at least seventh generation to come? That's something that is, you know, well embedded into indigenous values and principles that should actually guide decisions of regenerative businesses. And then let's finish with the two ones very, the two last ones very quickly. 
having a multi-stakeholder approach. So making sure that, you know, you understand that many people are part of your ecosystem and that they all need to participate, uh, give inputs and have a role in decision making. It's not only about investors. It's also about the citizens that are using your services or your products. It's about nature and the way nature actually uh, interact with your business. And then the last point that is quite obvious after all I mentioned is like, you know, a regional event should um, definitely challenge the status quo and not accept the way, you know, the world works, but actually reinvent it. You know, as this this famous quote says, you know, it's like, let's make the, the old obsolete and, you know, to make the, the old obsolete, let's make, you know, the new that is radically different. And in that sense, you know, regenerative enterprises are reinventing the way we do business. Wow. I mean, each one of those questions, Niles, is huge. And often a, a whole book is dedicated to one. So anybody listening, one book, massive questions, loads of answers. I'll put the links into the words that sit alongside. So Niels, I wondered whether you wouldn't mind just peeling it back a bit. A couple of sort of two parts to this question. One is having sat in NGOs, business, policymaking type organisations, why did you decide that book was the right answer rather than sort of staying within one of those sectors? But also, could you share with us a bit of, perhaps from your experience, what's the change that we might expect from having kind of gone through that process? What does it look like in practice in kind of practical examples? Yeah, so so the book was basically a request by many people we worked with. So um, with my co-founder, Stephen Vasconcelos, with whom we co-founded Positive, a community of, of impact businesses that understood the need to move from sustainability to regeneration, and who's also the co-author, my co-author of the book. What we looked at is, you know, for the first five years, uh, five past years, we looked at how do we put the theory in practice? We haven't created anything in the sense that, you know, there has been a lot of thinkers and theory out there for many years. The key question when we started, and, and that's actually the, the preface of, of the book that we've, we've written, uh, we explained this story, but, you know, the key question was like, okay, we have theory, we have businesses that understand that they need to go beyond sustainability, but there is a big question mark into putting it into action and practice. So that's what we've worked on with more than 200 businesses around the globe you know, hundreds of academics, leaders, consultants, and experts. We brought them together and basically we look at how do we translate this theory into practice? That's, you know, what we've done for more than five years. And that's the reason why we birthed the Compass for Regenerative Business. That is a methodology that we, we created with more than 110 uh, data points, toolkits, actionable steps, and all the rest of it. And then people came to us and say, hey, Guys, actually, you've looked at that and you translate it into practice. Why don't you tell the full story and why don't you bring a story that actually helps people comprehend what regenerative business means, but also where it comes from in terms of theory and how to move from theory to practice? So what we looked at is, you know, how do we bring the amazing thinkers? There are so many together. And how do we explain, you know, what they've been working on? How do we explain how it relates to regeneration? And how do we move to practice? So the book is, is very much about that. And that's the reason why we wrote it. It's like, how do you, you know, what we've done is like basically bringing together theories like planetary boundaries from Johan Rockström, uh, Donut Economics from Kate Reworth, post the post-growth movements, uh, well-being economics, looking at localization movements and, and many other. And we say, okay, 
knowing that these theories exist or these movements exist, how do we put them in relation to the work we've done? So that's really the, the reason why we've, we've done the, the book and we've written this book. And when it comes to the book, we have more than 120 examples of companies that are actually leading the way. And that's actually an answer to your second question is like, if I have to be honest with you, um, I wouldn't say that any company in the world today is truly regenerative because being regenerative is being on a journey, is not achieving a standard, is not to get a certification, is not to get an extra stamp or label into your business. It's more a mindset of actually understanding that we cannot be in the do less harm approach. We cannot be in the do no harm approach. We need to be in the do more good. And, and the do more good goes back to the idea of giving back more than what we take. So we don't have regenerative companies as such, but in the book, what we've illustrated the, the ideas with is companies that are really leading the way. I can give you a few examples. We have, for instance, Faith uh, in Nature that's based in the UK. And that included, you know, on a local, legal basis, nature as part of his boards. So nature is part of governance. Nature has been given a voice to actually help the business make better decisions. So that's one. Then we look at workplace uh, democratics, for instance, with many companies that are involving uh, their staff in a totally different way. So we move from uh, top-down approaches of hierarchies to actually giving back power and decision-making power to their own employees. Then we look at companies like Vivo Barefoot that you know, is on the mission to kind of reconnect people to the natural world uh, through footwear. So their idea is like actually going beyond the idea of uh, a sole product, but actually being a brand and a company that educates, understanding the role they have to collaborate with others, but also bring people to nature through a product. So that's another example. Then. You have, you know, companies like Guayapi um, that works in, you know, Amazon and Sri Lanka, looking at food supplements, cosmetics, tea, spices, and, and different, you know, food ingredients and kind of looking at how can they restore depleted forests and areas. Um, so, yeah, many are the examples from many different sectors. Once again, what we need to look at is what are the best practices? Who is actually moving the needle to go way beyond what existed and, and who's in this journey to actually create what, what tomorrow will look like. And, and in that sense, you know, being regenerative is, is being on a, on a constant inquiry of what, what is tomorrow going to bring to my business? What am I going to bring to the world? And always having this mindset of, of the 10 principles I've shared, but more than anything, being in the stage of, of acceptance that, you know, there are many unknowns and that we need to collaborate, we need to work with others, and we also need to be humble about the change we want to make. So that's that's really, you know, the, the, the main meaning of, of the book we've written and the movement that is, you know, exploding around the world because people are just understanding that this is the only way to go in a sense. Like, you know, it, it feels so obvious to go in alignment with nature, to go in alignment, back in alignment with cycles, with, with life. That's, that's simply the way to go. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And um, I, for one, am definitely running out to go and get the book, join the movement and all the rest of it. But also so refreshing to hear you bringing together the expertise and experience of others rather than, you know, I sat in a dark room and I cooked it up and, you know, I've got the right answer, which is you know, there's so much experience out there. I therefore was wondering, 
for anybody listening, for me, quite frankly, what would be your advice? How do you practically take this forward? You know, you've got these 10 principles, they are pretty massive, but you know, how do I just start? So what I would suggest, um, it's something that we actually explain very clearly and more in details into the book, but that you can also find online on our website. I'm sure you will be able to share it, but on, on makeapositiveimpact.co. Uh, what we've created, and I mentioned it previously, is the compass for regenerative business. So we created a very simple model that can be understood by a child at school, a policymaker, a CEO, or you know a person that has never worked in business. It's basically a guidance for organizations and more precisely businesses to understand where they are on these four levels from doing less harm to actually being regenerative and equitable. But more than anything, to zoom in different areas and understand, you know, holistically the impact of their business. So we'll share very briefly what the Compass is about, and I will invite, you know, all the listeners to, to get there and, 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 you know, have a look at it. But we have five core principles. The first one as the core is purpose. And I go back to the 10 principles I shared before, but how can the company have, um, you know, this social environmental purpose that is evolutionary? In a sense, um, if I was provocative, I would say that a regenerative business is meant to disappear. And in that sense, it means that if you have a purpose that is strong enough and you're aiming to solve a social environmental challenge, this means that you know your goal is going to is going to be to solve it as soon as possible and as soon as you solve this problem you know why would you still exist like nature when nature operates on a certain level and solves a problem then um like a tree you know it's the leaves are just falling down and they're becoming you know the soil and the soil grows new trees and and new plants and all the rest of it so that's that's the same idea you know the people that are part of this living system will move towards new challenges and create uh, new solutions. So in that sense, that's really a very strong purpose. So really good understanding, good governance, um, you know, a strong mission and all the rest of it. And then we have four directions. First one is planets. How can a business be in right relationship to nature? So the idea is like, how can you put back more into nature than you take? This includes, as you can imagine, you know, the net zero um, kind of impact that all the businesses should have and, and kind of, you know, looking at carbon emissions, but that's just a single part of it. We shouldn't focus just on this. There are so many different elements um, that are also important, such as, you know, having circular models or using good materials or others. So we're looking at that and, and the methodology actually brings much more to it with, with different inquiries and questions. Then the second point is about people. So how do we elevate human potential? Coming back to the idea of shifting and transitioning from human resources to human potential is, how do you look at paying people fairly? How do you look at empowering teams? How do you look at diversity? How do you look at empowerment within the company? These are concrete steps you can take. Then we look at partners. Um, so how do we make sure that value is redistributed? So today, as, as we see it, you know, it's like the end company organization at the end of the chain is kind of benefiting the most from the value that has created. But how do you make sure that actually with this mindset of supply chain, you move to a mindset of value web? What I mean by value web is like coming back to the idea of interconnection. How do you make sure that you value, understand and acknowledge the fact that you're part of a, a wider system that actually benefits your organization? That's one. The second one could be, you know, how do you use technology for good? So, you know, that's that's all of that together. And then the last the last point is like places. 
So how do you empower communities and places? And in that sense is, how do you respect marketplace ethics? Or do you look at local biodiversity? Or do you look at local communities and, and making sure that you actually respect them for who they are, what they bring to you, and that you work closely in collaboration with them? So with this five principles uh, model, that can give you a very simple tool that actually is going to guide you. I just gave you a, a brief overview, but if you go into the methodology, there are more than you know 110 questions, and there are more an inquiry than an answer in the sense that it will help you understand, you know, what it means. And then what we've developed is actionable steps. So for each of these section and subsections that I mentioned, you will have actionable steps you can take from today that are very easy, that can truly transform your business or your organization and take you further on the journey. One point to make, as you've heard on these five principles, we don't speak or we don't talk about profits. And the reason behind that is that our belief is that profit is going to come from the value you bring to society. And the profits, you know, as we describe or define success today might not be the way we describe it tomorrow. And in that sense, you know, while profit is the narrative today, tomorrow it might well be something else. So profit will come, but it shouldn't come at the expense of these five principles, but it should be these five principles coming first and then as a result, bringing value in any shape or form, whether it's profit today or something else tomorrow. Amazing. Oh my gosh, everybody, you've just had a total and utter masterclass in that. Niels, thank you very much for, for sharing it with us. And I feel like I kind of need the book in front of me and then to re-listen to our conversation and what you were saying. <laughs> but right, okay, here we go. This this is what it actually sort of means. And it's um, the sort of help that uh, that goes with it. And uh, I also think that everybody who's potentially in edu- education at the moment, you know, before setting up something really important. Niels, I was wondering whether we could t- sort of take a step back a, a little bit from you know, obviously creating an incredible, I want to say it's like work of art almost, the work that you've lay- clearly pumped into this this output, this book, is massive and potentially all-consuming, I can imagine. But also from that unique experience that you've had in, in pulling together all those case studies from creating these frameworks, but also from your journey so far, what do you think are the kind of top things, the top trends that perhaps you're seeing that others who might be listening to this conversation might not necessarily be aware of or, or perhaps aren't sort of at the top of their list? I might mention one point that to me is very important that we actually touch upon on the book. There are many, like, we, we see that the trends today um, are actually evolving very fast, whether it's the carbon market or ESG, you know, they're very criticized and, and people are starting to realize that they are insufficient. So while there might be steps on the journey, they are not the journey in itself, and we need to be way more uh, radical. And when I say radical, in a, in a way that you know we need like a, a profound and and systemic change. But what I would like to to maybe discuss with you is um, you know I think the role of corporation in in kind of lobbying and and you know corporate activism to me is something that's going to grow in the the next couple of years. Companies are realizing that um, you know democracy. When it exists in, in different regions of the world, is is under threat, and in that sense, companies have such an essential role, being part and being at the core of of our economy and our systems and society, that they need to also understand that you know while having a role, they have a responsibility and they need to get into these conversations. So the key question is, you know, how do you make sure that you don't get too political, but in the meantime, you know, being a company is being political. Being a sustainable company is being political and having different values or a set of values that you're actually putting forward. 
Um, so to me, that that's a very important trend that I would like to invite everyone to reflect on is, you know, how can your organization or company actually be part of the change also through a form of lobbying, whether it's through the values that you stand for, whether it's through your mission, whether it's through your employees, your partners, the way you operate, that's a crucial element. We are seeing the rise of new governance model. I was touching upon the the, the concept of nature governance a bit earlier with faith in nature, but also other companies like River Simple, where we have guardians that actually represent nature into the board. That's in a way, you know, moving forward in terms of companies' responsibility and acknowledgement that they are part of a wider system. So, so to me, the, the future is there in a sense that, you know, without a good governance, you cannot go anywhere and, and you cannot actually bring systemic change to the world, but first of all, to your company. And, you know, if you don't embed yourself as a person, as a leader, or your company as an organization, the values of what you aim to achieve, there is no point doing it because you're not going to get there. So, yeah, really encouraging your listeners to kind of deep dive into this topic of corporate lobbying or corporate activism. We see more and more brands getting committed into this. Um, and I think that's our role as leaders, as change makers, as citizens in general, to move our organizations towards this idea of, you know, standing for a new vision of, of a new economy, of a new political system, of a new a new balance in society that actually enable the world to become regenerative and equitable. It's interesting you say that. Part of me is like, absolutely, I completely see that. You know, the power within the collective action of a of, of a business does have the responsibility to to stand up for something as well. But then, likewise, you know, in some parts of the world, being a sort of lobbying or um, lobbyist is it's quite a sort of dirty word. Indeed, uh, some companies, particularly in the US this year, have been really stung where they try to sort of traditionally perhaps have done a social in environmental type campaign as part of their marketing, which has then kind of moved into that advocacy element and have been absolutely thwatted for, you know, culture wars and taking, you know, inappropriately using consumer money or their impact. Does that mean anything to you? Or do you think it's just a phase that we're going through? Or, you know, how do you respond to that piece that at the moment advocacy for businesses is is potentially, you know, a step too far for some? I mean, you know, lobbying, I think, is is a word and, and you know, there is prejudice behind it. It's a bit like degrowth. Um, you know, the conversation about degrowth is actually growing every day. And, and I think that's a good one, you know, but but there are prejudices behind it in the sense that people have a preconception of what it means, what it is, and oh, it's been misused most of the time for lobbying, for instance. The, the key question is, you know, how do we actually transform the world? And, and the world is not going to be transformed only by actions is going to be like actions and solutions, but also a, a narrative behind it that makes sense. Um, so I will move away from the idea of sole marketing kind of efforts and investment, because if it's just a matter of marketing, any company can be, you know, sustainable. You see like the, the sustainable report by any company, including, you know, oil players today that have sustainable reports. For sure it exists, but what we need to do is actually to stand for, you know, higher standards. And in that sense, you know, we need to be vocal about it. Uh, a company cannot lead on its own and a company cannot just lead inside its four walls in a sense. So that's that's also, a, you know, a call for companies to come together and have a clear message that, 
you know, shows unity and shows that there is alignment in the vision of, of what they aim to achieve on their own as an organization, but once again, as part of, of a wider web of life and ecosystem. So to me, corporate lobbying is, you know, is how do we create like a new narrative for what the corporation of tomorrow should become? So, you know, whether you call it regenerative or, or, or definitely, but it's like, you know, what is the new standard that we want for these companies? How do we want them to look like? And once again, as I was saying at the beginning of this conversation, how do you make sure that everyone participates in this conversation? And that's the reason why it needs to be vocal and public in a sense that also citizens can take ownership of the conversation and be part of it. So it's not just, you know, for a a regular citizen that might not be aware of all the challenges or might not be directly committed to it and and be a change maker yet. It's, you know, how do we give them also a a springboard to to get involved, get involved outside the company as well and and have an influence that actually aim to to help us achieve, you know, our highest goals and, and purpose and and you know be stronger together that's that's always the same goal thank you and uh yeah a lot of pause for thought and anybody listening i'd love your thoughts on what you've heard today and any feedback that you've got uh, warmly welcomed uh, both for the business rights poverty community but also for for neils too neils we are recording this conversation in around just before the um climate conference cop 28 so this time off to dubai now, climate change, we were having a bit of a conversation before we started recording this. Climate change is, uh, for anybody who's a climate change denier, clearly it's not happening. But for the rest of us, oh my goodness, thick and fast, the, the change is upon us. Do you mind sharing a little about the conversation that we had up front, but also, you know, what is your experience around climate change? And what would be, you know, what's the kind of advice for businesses at the moment in terms of that, that face of all that change? Yeah. I mean, I would actually zoom out and, you know, climate change is just the symptom of a broken economic system and a broken world and a broken society. The good news is that we are the core of it and, and we are the drivers. Uh, the key question is, you know, where do we want to drive and how are we driving there? And and, and who's part of this team, you know? So um, we have the power to drive in a totally different direction. We have the power to slow down. We have the power of, you know, of making change. And when I say change, it's like positive change, is radical change, is systemic change. And in that sense, you know, it's it's up to us. So for sure we have, you know, different experiences. And I think that it's essential for people, practitioners, uh, decision makers to actually face the reality of climate change. Um, coming back to the conversation we had uh, before the, the recording. Yeah, indeed, I've, I've been, you know, privileged enough and I made the decision of actually being in a form of constant migration, as I like to call it, in a way that, you know, I can explore different realities. So for the past 10 years, I've been on the move, um, you know, every three to six months to one year, I like to change countries. Once again, it's a huge privilege and chance to be able to do so. But the reason behind that to me is actually to confront myself to different cultures and different realities, different cultures in the sense that, you know, we all speak different languages, whether we work for poli- as a policymaker, as a citizen, as a change maker, as an NGO director or employee or in this world or a company owner or, or employee. And in that sense, you know, there are so many different languages and ways of seeing the world while being in this privileged position where I am today and, and I have been in the past years. My responsibility, and, and that's the way I, I feel very strongly, is to put it in service to others. And in that sense, what I chose to, to live as a life experience so far 
is to move in different areas. I'm I'm currently based in in southern Italy, for instance, where climate change has been hitting very very hard. You know, in the south of of Italy, in the Puglia region, for instance, there's been a, a temperature rise by by more than four degrees um, in certain cities. I spent the last summer by 45 degrees, um, surrounded by wildfires, having personally like faced the reality of it. You know, a very simple example. I I, I love cycling, just going around and and not being able to actually cross certain roads because of of the smoke of of wildfires and the pollution of it and and all the risk involved with it. So it really means like you know we speak about this topic, but you know what what about you know knowing about it? What about feeling it? What about activating, you know, our senses to actually understand what it means? And to me, that's essential to actually feel emotional about it, because that's that's the connection we have to the topic. It's not just something on paper. It's not just a, a scientific report. It's something that is affecting, you know, love in between people. It's something that is affecting health of people. It's something that is affecting happiness that is affecting the labor market that is that is af- affecting mig- migration and and all the rest of it so in that sense my my vision of of the subject and the way to actually lead by example is to go and talk to people that have totally different views um you know there is nothing more stimulating also frustrating but stimulating to actually speak to a, a climate denier uh, just a few days ago, I was with with someone we were talking about it and, and this person was just sharing you know his views about climate change and 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 this not being entropic and all that. And I was like, actually, you know, this kind of conversations are overstimulating because in a sense that that's a way to understand, you know, what the opposite of my views are and and therefore to help these people get also on the journey. So yeah, to me that that's an that's the essence of of the work we need to do is actually, you know, to slow down, to listen much more, to be present, um, and and really to be open to, you know. To the different opinions that are making also, you know, the reality of today, we shouldn't, you know, waste energy into, you know, kind of spending too much time and and attention into, you know, confronting ourselves to others. But this is really, really important. And I think like for business leaders in general, you know, getting out there, understanding different markets, speaking to other companies in different sectors, um, you know, this is just so essential. There is COP28 coming up, for instance. Many people are, are calling on a, a boycott of, of the COP because of, of its presidency. I, th- I think the most important is to have the conversations. Um, you know, leaving the table won't help until you actually propose an alternative. So it shouldn't be something passive. We need to be in the action. We need to be in the, the moving forward phase of actually coming together, understanding the points of each other the interests and understanding that actually the highest interest for all of us and for survival on this on this planet and our thriving is actually to work together towards um the goal of of making you know of making our lives you know thrive and and continue in in a planet that is is replenished and and that is actually supported and and you know being supportive of one another so so to me that's that's the core essence of you know more on a personal level who we need to be uh, putting our consciousness, um, you know, in service to others, and and making sure that we resonate again with life. You know, it's it's a reciprocal relationship, and and therefore, you know, I won't do it alone. No one will do in that sense. Or am I here for myself, for others, and for the world in general? Neil, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, yeah, for anybody listening, <laughs> it's a massive, massive life advice there. 
Uh, Nils, I mean, please just continue championing, but also experiencing and synthesizing those insights and, and bringing them together for us to all be able to kind of live through. Because so, well, I, for one, I don't get the chance to go and live in lots of different countries and and properly absorb that. So um, thank you for doing it on my behalf. I'm not quite sure what the right word is, but you know what I mean. Um, Nils, we're going to have to call this conversation to close, but I could genuinely listen to you and learn from you so much all day. But in order to kind of close this and wrap this conversation up, what's next for you? Where are you, where are you off to next? Yeah, I, I recently had this, this conversation of, you know, mission-driven or, or mission-derived. And I think that's, that's, you know, that's a good closing for a conversation in the sense that it's, it's not so much about the outputs, but it's, it's much more about the journey. And if I go back to the beginning of this conversation, my North Star is about empowering others, whether they are vulnerable groups, entrepreneurs, you know, or anyone else that that is actually seeking help or or in need of actually the space to to lead this change that we need to see. So what is next for me in in general is you know I want to continue giving space um, to people and and actually nurturing their their potential and you know helping them to to realize their their full capacity and you know all the talents that they have in the sense that you know when they are their self people can make tremendous change. Um, so that's really what what's coming next in in a more kind of spiritual level and 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 the journey I want to to pursue and continue. On a more practical level, I like to say that I'm a, a portfolio person. So you know I like to jungle with with many different projects and ideas and you know innovate and talk to different people. Very practically, you know we are we've just launched this book, The Red Journey Enterprise. We had a massive support from many thinkers, uh, whether it's Christina Figueres, the architect of the Paris Agreements. Rajiv Joshi or Shia Bastida that co-wrote um, the foreword of the book, or people from the Club of Rome, or amazing thinkers uh, like Bayo Akamolafe. We are we are moving forward with that. So my mission um, is to promote the message of the book and and rally as many people as possible uh, for us all to be the regeneration um, and and really you know embedding this generation principle of of making sure that we take the right decision today on on a long-term basis thinking about what's going to happen to our children's children um so that's one and and then you know i recently created a card game that is all about you know bringing people up to speed with the interconnection of climate biodiversity social justice and well-being so that's something i will i will be happy also to to develop in in the next couple of months um, and yeah, there are many conversations. There might be, you know, another book uh, coming up as well. Um, you know, there is there is loads on the table as long as it serves this this main purpose of of serving people. I I think that there is nothing more more beautiful than doing so. And and yeah, I think we need to first of all become more conscious of who we are, where we come from, and where we're heading. And as soon as we grasp this. We get the tremendous power and energy to actually serve others and and serve the world we really want to see and and imagine and you know be part of in 10 15 20 30 years we're all capable of of doing so and and you know there is nothing more beautiful than actually being on on this journey and, and being in service oh Niels. well on that note a massive massive good luck on your journey and empowering others but by the sounds of things just also just the learning that's that you can disseminate as well. Thank you very much and all the best of luck with everything that you choose to do. Nils, thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us 
I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. 